Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Superconscious Success Podcast, where Jen and her Superconscious Success family co-hosts bring you valuable content each and every week on topics relating to manifestation, spirituality, and most of all, using your superconscious to manifest success in all areas of your life. Now on to today's episode. Hey there, Superconscious Success fam. Just before we get into the interview, this is just a brief message. Uh, this is actually a recording of the 2021 Superconscious Success Summit interviews. If you do want to check out the introductory for all of the guests, then you can go across to our Superconscious Success YouTube channel where you'll be able to find all the introductions. These particular podcast interviews will be the interview only. Okay, thank you. Now let's get on to the interview. Hey there, Superconscious Success fam. Welcome back to another incredible interview on the Superconscious Success Super Summit. Today, we're actually going to be talking to Eileen Dillenfink. And if you have not yet watched her introductory video, make sure you head across to the Superconscious Success uh, YouTube channel and check it out because she has gone into her story in great depth. And she's also talked a lot about emotions, which is what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, emotions is it's such an important topic that we need to deal with it's something that we need to learn to become emotional masters which is what we're going to be talking to Eileen about today so Eileen how are you doing today I'm great thank you oh thank Emotionally you so much up shape <laughs> awesome thank you so much for being here with us and discussing a topic that is so important for people to understand because um, as we get older, and you've actually broached on it in your introduction, that um, you came from a, from a family that was a bit dysfunctional, a military family. You were taught that emotions had to be held in and you weren't allowed to express them. Um, and that's often what happens in our lives is that we're told it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to be angry. You can't be angry. Stop being angry. You know, stop yelling. Well, the thing is that um, the more you hold those emotions in, the more they explode. And then we don't understand. And what do we tell our kids? Stop being rude. Stop saying this. Stop saying that. Because it's um, because they've held their emotions in for so long. Um, so I'm excited to be talking to you today about emotions and how we might be able to actually... Um, to actually express them, but also manage to deal with them. So can we start off by you just explaining what emotions are and why have we been blessed with them? <laughs> That's a <laughs> lovely way of putting it. Um, well, emotions are energy. Mm -hmm. uh, we often say emotions, emotions in motion. That's what they are. And that's uh, the message of the book that I've written, too. The title of it is Emotions in Motion, uh, Energy in Motion. And, um, you know, we really 
haven't learned. I don't. I was trying to think today. When when did we start not paying attention to emotions, stuffing them down, demonizing them, uh, apologizing for having them? When did we do that? I don't know. I think the ancient Greeks uh, were good with emotions. I think they knew a lot, and probably throughout history there've been times when we know enough about uh, emotions. But today, uh, we don't have an organized system for understanding emotions, uh, and we don't know what they're for. And what's most important is we don't know how to work with them our own selves. When an emotion comes up in you or in me, do I know what I can do to work with that emotion so that I can move through it and move on to something else? And that's the key to when I'm talking about emotional mastery. That's what we all can do. So um, I want to also emphasize that emotions do not belong to us. They're not mm -hmm. my emotions. They are the emotions that arise in me. And emotions are not good or bad. Uh, they just are. Mm. Um, and emotions, since they're energy, one of the things we could start with right away is to understand that emotions follow the laws of energy, the principles of energy. You cannot uh, destroy or create energy. You can't destroy or create emotions, right? You, you, can't, um, uh, you can't stop water without it building up behind, and that's what happens with anger, for example, if we stop ourselves from at least acknowledging or releasing the energy of anger and working with it. So um, a key thing is to understand that emotions really don't behave any differently than electricity or wind or water, you know, they're, yeah. they follow the, the same rules. And because emotions are, they're on a scale, aren't they? Um, I, have, I have seen an emotional scale um, that, that they often use when we're talking about vibrations of emotion, um, because mm -hmm. vibrations are energy. Um, and you can move your way up those scales as you as you become learn to manage them um, And certain emotions like you said, they're not good or bad and they're all here for a purpose So right. emotions are they're sending us messages aren't they? So How how do we go about to interpret what those messages are so that we're able to manage them a lot better? Okay so maybe it would help if I backtrack just a minute mm -hmm. and talk about the system of the giant school. Okay, because go for this, it. this has really helped me a lot um, to realize or to to theorize that we are all on the earth because the earth is a big giant school, mm -hmm. and we've all come here in order to learn and grow, and the way we do that is we have experiences. And those experiences, with those experiences come emotions. And also those experiences are offering us the lessons that we need to learn in this school. Mm -hmm. And so the emotions come up with them and each emotion has its own message. For example, the emotion of loneliness. Most of us think that loneliness has to do with being alone but you know that you can be lonely in a crowd and you can feel lonely in a marriage. So it's not necessarily anything about being alone. What is it? It's about energy again. It's when we have more energy going out from us than coming in, 
Yeah. We feel lonely. So if you know that that's the message of loneliness, anytime you feel lonely, you can say, how can I bring some energy into myself? Mm -hmm. And one of the most effective ways to do that is to do something you have a talent for. And it can be humming, singing, hiking, swimming, whatever you have a talent for. You bring the energy into you and you'll stop feeling lonely. So when I travel around in my RV, people often ask me, aren't you lonely traveling alone? And I say, absolutely not. Yeah. I, I haven't been lonely at all because, that's an, because I'm constantly bringing energy into myself. All right. Yeah. So every emotion, Jen... Um, every emotion has a message. Yeah. Love says, come closer. Loneliness says you've got more energy going out than coming in. Um, uh, what would you say jealousy tells you? Take a guess. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> you put me on the spot here. Um, okay. but, but does, does it have more, because it often has more to do with us than to do with the other person, right? Yeah. So what would, so what would something like that be telling us? Well, jealousy is actually a, a computation that yeah. says you are having something that I can't have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So who's the person who's keeping me from having whatever you're having? Usually myself. Usually myself, yeah. Okay. So really the message of jealousy is it's time to get more creative. You mm -hmm. need to get creative enough to create for yourself what it is that you would like to have. Because we are all, that's the thing, we are all capable of having whatever we desire in this world. Um, but right. sometimes we don't want to put in the effort to, to make it happen. And that's when we become envious of other people and jealous of other people. And, so we um, want to put yeah. our effort into those, into those negative experiences instead of getting creative. Mm -hmm. So that's part of what I hope to motivate people with is, look, if you'll embrace this learning, if you'll move with the messages you will be able to uh, have a, a positive life and a fun life. You know, we have emotions at least from the time we are born. We don't, mm -hmm. I, don't, I couldn't find any evidence that we have studied that babies actually have emotions in the womb, uh, but I believe we do, we do right? Mm -hmm. But we have them at least from the moment we're born they're with us 24-7, 365 days a year from birth to death. Yeah. Now, that's, a, that's something that's really important in our lives, and we know so little about it, and we don't know how to partner with those emotions. Well, the big issue about partnering is like, if you think of emotions as your friend, mm -hmm. then if you have an issue with your friend or you're having a difficulty or your friend's telling you something you don't particularly want to hear, what you want to do is try to understand them, try to work with them, try to listen to them so that you can get what's going on between the two of you. And yeah. that's what partnering with emotions is about. Yeah. And what about something like, which is a big, which is a big problem, uh, something like anger. Um, is that, does that come down to our expe expectations that we have of other people? Is that something that causes us to, um, to bring up those feelings of anger? Well, that's certainly part of it. And mm -hmm. expectations is a good thing. Uh, my learning is that the universal cause of anger 
is that we all carry ideas in our heads, mm. pictures or ideas about how things are supposed to be in the world. So it's not necessarily people. It could be circumstances. It could be weather, you know, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and whenever our, uh, so, so we carry those ideas in terms of shoulds, what I call shoulds. Either something should not happen or something should happen. Yep. Something should not happen and it does, I'll get angry. Something should happen and it doesn't, I'll get angry. Mm. Right? That's the universal cause. And so, uh, you know, if the message from anger then is that we're carrying pictures in our heads that aren't accurate because if they were accurate, they couldn't be violated. Yeah. And, right? and so, this is, so this is when we have to really look at our belief system too because this often comes up from when we're children and what we've actually, what we've actually had um, programmed into us about how life should and shouldn't be. And often, whether it's our parents, whether it's our authority figures, um, whoever it is, our friendship circle, um, all dictate how they believe society should act and what is right and what is wrong and then we're expected to live up to their expectations and to their principles and sometimes the way we are designed is not designed to we don't believe that within ourselves and that can bring about feelings of anger too yeah yeah that's very very accurate uh i have a story that i tell about uh getting angry um for a reason that wasn't my own. It wasn't anything that I really uh, thought shouldn't happen. Can okay. I tell you that story very briefly? Yeah. yeah, go for it. So my daughter was 10 years old and I was single parent and she was bringing, um, she suddenly in the morning when I was making breakfast, trying to get the kids off to school, she suddenly started bringing me the hairbrush and asking me to fix her hair while I was working in the kitchen. And I immediately got angry and I said, you should never bring a hairbrush into the kitchen. What are you doing? Hair does not belong in the kitchen. It took me about three weeks of doing that to realize that I was lecturing her. I was fixing her hair in the kitchen. And I thought to myself, clearly that means that it's not important to me. Yeah. So I started asking myself, and this is one of the ways you can do it. I said, whose voice is that? Mm -hmm. And it took me back to the age of five when I lived for a year with my grandparents on their farm. And in the early morning, my grandfather and I would get up and we'd go out to the barn and we'd milk the cow. And my grandmother would stay in the house and make breakfast for us, right? Mm -hmm. So I would lean against the cow because the cow was warm and accepting. And then on the way back, we would stop at the smokehouse and my grandfather would pour some of the milk in a dish there for a mother cat who usually had kittens. And I would pick those up and pet them. And when I would hit the house, when I would get on the steps to the porch, my grandmother's voice would call out, Eileen, you dust yourself off and wash your hands and face because I don't want a hair in my kitchen. Ah, it would come all the way back from when you were five. Yes, yes. And I was in my uh, mid-40s by then, right? Yeah. And 
we'll talk about this with the with the uh, conscious parenting too. My daughter brought this to my attention. How she knew to bring it, I don't know. But uh, as soon as I realized what it was, she stopped bringing me the hairbrush in the kitchen, right? Because yeah. I learned my lesson. That's the interesting thing about lessons too that I want to mention. Uh, we have, all of us have these repeating patterns in our lives. And it's, it's like once we have an experience and a lesson has been presented to us, we don't actually have to learn it, but the universe or whoever runs this show uh, doesn't give up. It keeps yeah. presenting that same lesson over and over again. And every time it's presented again, it's harsher. It hurts mm -hmm. more. It amps more up. Yeah, it amps up. And usually people don't like to make change. So they put up with the pain be until it gets to the point where they think it couldn't be any worse if they took the leap and went to the new way of doing things. Then they'll make a change, right? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I want to encourage people to do is embrace the change, learn the lesson, because in reality, the second that you learn the lesson, it's over. And yeah. you don't have any of those repetitions anymore. Yeah. So that's part of my message is we're in a big giant school. Our lessons are laid out for us. The emotions are there to help us. How about we say, oh, I'm in school. Let me embrace the lesson and learn it because not only will I not build up so much pain, but what I've learned over the many years I've been here on the planet is that the more you embrace the lesson and learn it, the easier it is to embrace lessons to learn and the fewer of them show up. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that often arises with, with people that stay in relationships that are not functioning properly is exactly. that there's the fear, there's that emotion, there's the fear that is um, stopping us from going, okay, um, this is not working. How am I going to survive as a single parent? How am I going to be able to raise my kids? I don't have income coming in. Um, he was a sole breadwinner or she was a sole breadwinner or whatever, whatever the case. So you stay in this relationship for years and years um, with the fear of getting out of it. And of course, the lessons that it, we're trying to learn amp up even more and more. So um, I see that, see that many times. Um, right. You were brave enough to, to recognize it. Well, the first time I got dumped, in all honesty. <laughs> That's okay. That was still a lesson, right? <laughs> but I, I made lemonade out of lemons because I developed conscious parenting. And I actually came to Australia and taught it in, in Adelaide and uh, near Sydney also. But you didn't come to Perth. <laughs> no, I didn't make it to Perth. I wish I had. That is a big country you have. <laughs> it is. It's a very big country. And there's not a lot in the middle of it. So yeah. kind of like we're on the West, which is just us. And then you go yeah. over to the East and you've got Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Gold Coast, Canberra. Um, yeah. So it's really us and then South Australia, Northern Territory up the top. Um, mm -hmm. But hopefully one day you'll, you'll get across and, and see some more of this beautiful country. I think the furthest West I got was Uluru. Oh, you went to Ayers Rock? Yeah. Awesome. Do you know, back in, back in the day, I don't know, were you still able to climb it at that point when you came like, across? Because you were able to climb Ayers Rock. And oh, yes. Yes. Um, 
uh, I, I was only able to walk around it. This okay. was in 2008, I was there. Okay, um, because when I, was, when I was a child, because I grew up in Aboriginal communities, ah. and so we actually lived at the, in, near Alice Springs, which is near Uluru. And, right. um, and at that stage, you could actually climb up the entire rock. And they had like paths and you'd have to hold onto the rope in the middle. And, um, and so we kind of got to the top and then you could go around, beautiful view until some silly people decided that they would actually take um, a baby up there on his back. He fell off, landed on the baby. Um, someone else decided to take a pram up there and the pram fell. So after a while, they, um, they decided that it was just too dangerous and they couldn't do it. Um, and people were disrespecting the elders. Do you see the limits to which we will go in order to learn things? Yeah. Absolutely. That's an amazing comment. <laughs> oh, it's, it's true. It's true. And the thing is that it was, you know, the elders up the, uh, at Uluru, they were allowing people to do it because of the experience. And it's quite an experience to do it. But um, people were disrespecting it and to do something like that and then to lose a couple of babies' lives because of it. And they said, we can't do that anymore. So, um, yeah, and I think it probably would have stopped before you came. So you could still go around it, though. Yes, I, I walked all the way around it, and, uh, and I really enjoyed it. It was a really, a really wonderful experience. Did you go and, into the caves there? Um, yes, a couple of them we did. Yeah. Yes. The caves are pretty incredible, too. So any of you listeners that are looking at um, coming to Perth, Australia, or WA, um, Uluru is a beautiful place to visit. Yeah. really is it's beautiful from the air too yeah um so uh, let me mention a little bit about where lessons come from yes do uh, that please we uh, you know nobody really knows where these lessons come from some people will give god or buddha or allah credit uh, some people will say that we um figured them or we set them up for ourselves before we came to the planet mm -hmm. And some people will say it comes from somewhere deep inside of us and we don't really know. But what's key is that the experiences we have are like the experience I told you about with the hairbrush. Mm -hmm. They are tailor-made for us. Yes. We tend to think because we live from the outside in instead of the inside out, we tend to think out there is doing something to us uh, and we're being hurt by it, but really we are the co-creators. And, yeah. and so these things are set up for our benefit. And that's one of the things that I'm very excited about sharing uh, work with emotions, emotional mastery with people, is you can get in charge to the point where you have a really good, calm, smooth, wonderful yeah. life because you're working with the way the system is set up instead of bucking it all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, being super conscious success, obviously my, the super conscious is, is something I'm highly passionate about. And when we talk about super conscious, we talk about our higher self and we talk about that non-physical part of us that is not our ego, that is there to guide us towards our purpose. It's, it, it believes in only the good within us. And as Eileen just mentioned, um, lessons in life 
Um, I believe we do actually choose them prior to coming, coming into our physical form. Um, and I, I do think that it is a guide for us to ultimately get towards our higher purpose. We need to go through those lessons to expand our consciousness, yeah. to, to help to grow as, as a spiritual being um, and also to grow as a physical person too. So, um, yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. And when you talk about the superconscious, you talk about your higher self and you talk about emotions, those emotions are a guide for us to connect with our higher self, right? Well, you could call emotions superconscious because Good. they are a gift of that higher self. Um, you know, one of the things I talk about in my classes is how if, if you are going to send your child to school and you'd want them to have a good experience, you might get a backpack and put a pencil and eraser, a lunch or something in, in the backpack for them so they have it at school. Well, here we come to the earth and our backpack has emotions in it. Mm. And when we get here, we've learned not to even open the backpack, much less figure Just out press what- it more than, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, I'd like you to, you know, like us all to realize that that emotions are super conscious tools that we have in our backpack to help make life easier for us. And I can attest because I've worked with thousands of people and my own self that when you when you're partnering with emotions, when you're listening to their messages, when you're uh, learning the lessons that you've come, your life becomes so incredible. Recently, I've had a number of people that I worked with as a psychotherapist years ago, uh, one woman up to 38 years ago, right? Mm. And they're coming back to me. This is a lovely experience and telling me what it is that they learned from me 38 years ago wow. <laughs> that has stayed with them all this time. And this is the kind of stuff that has stayed with them. And they've had really good lives in the meantime. They're just coming for a little checkup because we have been through very stressful times here yeah. as a result of COVID. Um, and it's been really, really interesting because the principles that we talked to, that you mentioned earlier, you know, they've learned principles like with emotions, um, uh, you know, whenever you uh, stuff them down, they grow. That's, mm -hmm. that's a principle. Uh, also, wherever you pay attention, you tend to send energy and that grows. that grows. So one of the things that happens with emotions, let's say anger. Suppose I say to you, I have a problem with anger. Well, what most of us do is we focus on what is the problem? When did I get it? Who made me have it, et cetera, et cetera. We spend our time looking at the problem. Mm. Well, if you follow the principle that whatever you pay attention to, you feed energy to, and it gets bigger, guess what happens with the problem, right? Bigger, yeah. Yeah. So there. So what I and many of my clients help me to discover, too, is another principle, which is pay attention not to what you want to overcome, but to what you want to become. Yes. So if you put your energy into being a not angry person, even if you don't know what that's like, you can ask yourself, what might it be like to not be angry? And you put your energy there, you will become a not angry person. And this problem with anger will atrophy and fall away. You don't even have to work at it. 
Yeah, because I mean, we, we all know that with the, the laws of the universe, what you focus on, you attract. So we don't want to be focusing on that which we don't want. We want to be focusing on that which we do. And I suppose right. the same could be said for um, once again, when we go into conscious parenting and we go into anxiety that um, teens nowadays are, are expressing. Um, so the same could be said for that. If we can teach our teens to instead not focus on the anxiety side of it, but focus on how to um, how it would feel to not be anxious, um, how it would feel to to be in that state. Is that how about what, focusing on what it would feel like to be mm. effective in your life? Yeah, living the life that you actually came here to live. Absolutely. Um, when I talk about fear, I say the problem that we have with fear these days is we don't have any more saber-toothed tigers, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. fear developed uh, back in caveman days, uh, and that's when we needed to keep safe from the saber-toothed tiger, so we developed the fight-or-flight syndrome. But what happened then was that when you, once the you determined that the tiger wasn't in the cave or you were able to outrun the, uh, the tiger and get away, um, then you stopped being afraid. Yeah. But fear these days is manufactured fear for things that we imagine and we don't shut it off. So it goes into anxiety and stress instead. And that's, and that's the thing because I think fear is, is something, like you said, we manufacture it. We, we start to think about something that may never happen. We start we to fear about our problems. Yeah, Got it? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is the case with anxiety. I think anxiety is the fear of something happening, which, um, which in reality, a lot of it is like, it's not even going to arise, but we've actually conditioned our brain um, to actually believe that that we're in danger, so our fight or flight response goes into act, into action, and um, like you said, there's no saber tooth tigers around anymore. Well, we've also conditioned our brain to have a level of anxiety going on all the time. Yeah, is an expected thing, and that's not the way we are uh, are made. Yeah, no. we're not designed that way. So um, I, I think. Um, you know, one of the things that was big in the conscious parenting that I developed was about each of us being responsible for our own lives. And I think in many ways in parenting, we have gotten away from that. Um, and I'm seeing through my therapy now, I'm seeing a lot of young people who are pushing themselves to be perfect. Yeah. The problem is that they don't know what's enough they, they haven't bumped up against life enough to be able to figure it out. So they're under constant pressure and anxiety to be yeah. perfect. And, and I, think, I think now too, as, as parents, I mean, there's no rule book for being a parent. Um, and so we do the best that we can. But um, I think too, parents are expecting their kids to be perfect. And it's the expectations that come with it. And, you know, kids learn through lessons once again, um, about how to respond to things, about what's expected of them. And if they feel like their parents are just expecting way too much of them that they can actually handle or they can actually cope with, then anxiety will start to come up. 
So well, also, if the parents don't teach them how mm -hmm. to engage with life or how to, um, how to deal with the consequences of choices that they've mm -hmm. made, yep. that also will take us to anxiety. And those principles apply to adults, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We get anxious uh, in situations, you know, the part of what fear is for is to point out to us that we're going into unknown territory and we have to be careful. We have to watch out. Right? And we also need to, we also need to instill in people too that um, going into unknown territory can be a good thing. Be, getting outside of the box and in actual fact is necessary in many ways because if we keep ourselves comfortable, then we never expand and we never learn. So learning to get out of your comfort zone and learning to face that fear. And as you said, swimming with a jaguar. Well, I mean, seriously, how many people have done that? Um, you know, it's like my husband says to me, oh, I could never swim with sharks. And that's because he watched Jaws one too many times. Um, but he says, you know, if someone bought me a, a thing to swim with sharks, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because he has got that intense fear of sharks. And so unless he learnt to face that, it's not something he wants to do, so it's not something I'd push, but unless he wants to face that, um, then that's something that's gonna keep going on. He's just not going to, not going to Not work. only that, animals, yeah. like the rest of the world, mirror back to us what's going on. So yeah. sharks, for anybody who would go into the water with sharks when they're afraid, really afraid, Not the shark idea. will know that yeah. and will aggress on them. Yeah, you know? because swimming with sharks is something that I'm actually wanting to do. Like it's something that I, I think got that. Because I'm not, because I'm not afraid of them. It's, um, and, and I've also got the belief that the, the places that you can swim with sharks here, they're actually under pretty good control. Um, you know, they make sure they're fed properly. And so your belief system will impact how you feel about that. Um, and I think that our media has a big part to play in, in fear in, in our countries. Um, the amount of stuff that's on our news nowadays, the sorts of movies that are coming out. Um, my my uh, husband and my kids, they love horror movies. Um, and so they'll sit down, they'll watch a horror movie at night time because they like it when it's dark. And I refuse because I know that if I have that in my subconscious mind prior to going to sleep, then that's playing over in my mind all night. Mm -hmm. And so I refuse. And, um, but I think the media in terms of the news as such, I think plays a big part with that, don't you? Well, I think we could also look at one other aspect, which is how exciting our, are our lives right now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have action movies and horror movies to bring excitement into yeah. our lives. And I wanted to just point, I thought about this a few minutes ago. We've just gone through this year, and I know you haven't had it nearly as badly in Australia and Perth, for sure, as we have here in the US. But we've gone through a total year of fear and isolation. And if you think about this world as a big giant school, this infinitesimal virus has come to be our teacher. Yeah. Right, it's and I think, and I think the virus had to come as our teacher because there were so many people that were still asleep. 
There were people exactly. that needed to be awakened to exactly. the possibilities and to facing the fears that, that they've been suppressing for so long. So well, this totally. is the very, very thing I was talking about, where if you don't listen and you don't learn the lessons, like just in the United States, for example, uh, many people in the U.S. feel like the last four years, uh, our democracy was just destroyed, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and why was that? Well, how many people were actually participating in the democracy or realizing that we have a part that you can't just send somebody off to run the government and, and wash your hands of it, right? Exactly. And what is happening as we're coming out, people are going, wait a minute, I want to participate in this. We're having marches for that. We're talking up about this. You know, and, and so that's the way these emotional situations work. And it was such a powerful lesson. It has involved the entire world. Yeah. And this, this little virus is infinitesimal, right? Yeah. And, but, but, but it was our lesson. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was a chance for people to awaken. And, and I think that in many ways, it has brought, it's brought people much closer to their higher selves. It's brought people much closer to recognising what their purpose is. How many people have they've lost their jobs and so they've started their own, own um, business that they had been putting off for so long out of fear. And right. all of a sudden, they had no choice because this lesson um, was right in their face. They're like, well, there's nothing else I can do. I've lost right. my job. I need to make money. Um, so how many more people have gone online than were online before? Right. Um, how many relationships have changed? Whether they've separated. I don't think there's been as many divorces as there has been since, since COVID started. But no, I, yeah. I don't know. The relationships have suffered a lot. They've but suffered that a lot. Is because there's been a breakdown process when you... Yes. Uh, and that goes into the manipulation work that I've done. There's a whole breakdown process that happens when you spend time alone, which also is a, a is a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as much as we may not have liked this, one of the things that's happened in the U.S., I don't know if you needed it as much in, in Australia, is people have slowed down. Their yeah. lives were really fast and now Absolutely. they've slowed down. And that's the thing. They've been able to connect on a deeper level. And so, you know, relationships where both couples were out of the house are now in the same, in the same environment. And right. so, they're, so they're starting to realise whether, whether it's right for them or not, um, or they've been able to connect on an even deeper level, which, um, which, like I said, when you're asleep, the universe sends something for us to wake up. Yes, indeed. <laughs> there certainly have been many lessons learned in 2020. Um, and, you know, there'll, there'll be many lessons to be learned as time goes on. But I do see a massive shift in the consciousness of our planet, um, mm -hmm. especially during the times of COVID. So let's emphasize for this conversation yes. that people coming through COVID, which is all of us, yes. uh, we get to focus where we're going. Exactly. And so instead of focusing on hating our spouse or being angry that we had to go through this, we could focus on how can I bring the most amount of love into my life? Yep. How can I 
grow the most? How can I do identify what I really want in life and go for it? Yes. You know, that's where we can use our emotions to go for the lives that we really want to live. Absolutely. And I think that's now more than ever, that's something that we need to really, uh, really look into. We've, we've certainly, with the isolation and the um, quarantining and stuff, um, I know over here and um, in the States, um, we've got the time to do it. We've got the time to reflect and to really focus on that and figure out what it really is that you're wanting to do with your life, as Eileen said. Um, and yeah, anything is possible. And I have thoroughly enjoyed this discussion with you today, Eileen. There is so much more that Eileen has to offer. So be sure to go uh, to sign up for the VIP day where Eileen's going to be doing a workshop. To go into this in a little more detail, uh, give you some techniques and some, some tricks that you can use to, to work with your emotions and to really start to, um, to recognize how to deal with them so that you can live the best life that you possibly can. Can I offer one more thing for people yep. to focus on until then? Yes. Which exactly. is whenever you have an experience, especially if it's painful, just ask the question, what could I possibly be trying to teach myself with this mm -hmm. experience? And play around with that until the VIP day. Fantastic. That's and, and that's something that I do um, whenever something doesn't feel right or whether whenever I'm going through something, I do. I ask myself, what is the lesson that I'm supposed to learn here? Because we don't want to ignore those messages. Because right. like Eileen says, then it's going to blow up and then we're going to see it in much yeah. greater scale. Guaranteed to blow Guaranteed. up. Okay, thank you so much, Eileen, for that. Pleasure. <laughs> and, um, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you very shortly. Great.